Welcome to the Be a Difference Maker podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Scout and the host of the podcast that aims to highlight the wonderful things our coaches and teachers are doing in the tri-state area. We have a little bit different change or shift this week because we're going to be looking at basketball officiating and we have some uh, basketball officials joining us today along with Ross Bauma who's a uh, Instructor and professor at Northwestern College, I'll share some of his research based on the lack of officials and how to get more officials on board as well. thought this uh, topic would be fitting as we start to transition into the basketball season. And uh, for all of us as fans, parents, players, coaches, and officials to uh, somewhat uh, get on the same page as we start the season together. Uh, before we get going, we just want to thank our sponsor, The Moving Company out of Orange City, Iowa. Brett and his crew aim to help you in any type of commercial or residential move. You can call Brett at 712-541-9407 or go to www.movingyourthings.com. They also have a lot of different storage options for you as well. But uh, we'll get rolling here. First of all, I just want to tell you who's on this podcast this week and invite them, uh, Dr. Ross Balma from Northwestern College. He uh, spent time on his dissertation looking at the lack of officials and how to get more college athletes involved in officiating going forward. Welcome, Ross. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Super. Then we got four officials with us today. Excuse me, three officials. Uh, we're missing Paul Jansen today, a longtime official, and uh, I'll have him on a separate podcast here in the next couple of weeks, but I um, want to welcome the officials we do have. We have Randy Smith, who does a variety of middle school and junior high games in the area, along with freshman and JV, both girls and boys basketball. So we'll get his perspective from that level. We have Jim Potma, longtime official, has covered a lot of different areas of basketball and uh, still refs locally as well, and uh, has refed as high as the NCAA Division II. Uh, level, and uh, he'll share some of his insight along with Marlon Sconehoven, also a current referee, who's also done a variety of levels and sports, and on uh, basketball, does a variety of high school, college, both locally, and also on the Division One women's basketball level as well. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Super. Uh, we're going to get started here, just kind of looking at the the need for officials, the lack of officials in our area, but it's uh, something that's somewhat nationwide in regards to the need to have more officials involved. And uh, Ross, you've done a lot of different research and interviews with uh, different associ athletic associations and uh, looking at how to get more, more referees and officials, but also how to get some more college athletes involved in officiating when they're done playing. As well, I guess we'll just start off with you. If you want to share so many, uh, so many insight in regards, uh, you know, a quick summary of what you found in your dissertation, and how that can help us going forward. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Um, you know, a couple things, and you guys are all aware of this, and, um, but I'm somewhat surprised that I don't know that you know the general fan or or just the general public maybe isn't aware of this. Uh, shortage of officials that we have. Um, one of the things I did a couple of years ago is I contacted all the state high school athletic associations and um, asked them for 10 years worth of data um, of their 
of their numbers, of their number of registered officials. And I was able to get that information back from 15 states. Um, and from those 15 states that I was able to get that 10 years worth of information from, uh, we saw almost uh, between a 9 and 10% decrease just in the number of registered officials. Um, and so this is a problem, like you said, not just here locally in Iowa or, or the tri-state area, uh, but this is a, a nationwide problem. And, and you know, people in officiating like these guys, people in, in coaching, uh, you know, men and women in, in um, administration, they're aware of this problem and they've been trying to, um, you know, address this for quite some time. But the problem is we haven't been able to turn it around yet. Um, you know, hopefully here in the next little while, we're able to um, kind of get things going in the right direction. So, um, yeah, in regards to college uh, athletes becoming officials when they're finished playing, obviously uh, the number one reason that they stated was just an overall general lack of respect for the, the profession. And so that's something I think we can all do something about. Um, but they also mentioned things like the amount of time that it takes to get registered and the amount of time that it takes to to go to different games. And they, they talked about the cost of uh, getting started, um, which, you know, interestingly, some of them think the cost is a good reason to get started. Uh, but a couple things that really struck me in in my findings was just the lack of knowledge that these students have about how to get started? Who would I contact if I wanted to become a, an official, or or who would I contact if I wanted to schedule games? Um, so those were those were a couple of the items that I would probably call our kind of low hanging fruit that we can maybe um, address and and do something about um, you know relatively easily, I guess, compared to some of the other ones. Right. No, thanks, Ross. And uh, turn it over to. Our officials, too, kind of to piggyback on what Ross mentioned, any, you know, like if you run across a younger individual, for instance, especially a former athlete that's played the sport and was kind of on the fence in regards to whether he or she should get into officiating, what are some things that you would tell them? And very informal here, won't go in a certain order, but uh, who would like to take a stab at that? I'll go first. Yeah, I started. Ahead. I started when I was in college. Actually, that was the first time that. But it it all happened because I knew somebody else who had contacts with ads and already had some games. And you know, he asked me, "Do you want to do this?" And it was one of those things. I'm like, I don't really know if I, you know, if I even trust myself doing it. But I thought, oh well, I'll give it a shot. He said, "It's no right. big deal." We started junior high, but for me, honestly, it was a good money maker. Like for a college kid, I mean, yep. I was making whatever at that time, I don't know what it was per game, but I'll, I know this much. It was more than I could have made on the farm or working at Pizza Ranch. So yeah. for me, it was basically just a almost a business decision. Like, yeah, the time that it takes and the amount of money you can make, to me, it was a no brainer. Right. And, and Ross and I are aware of a, he's a sophomore now at Northwestern, but similar, similar reasoning that what you had, Randy, he, He's basically booked now for the year for, for middle school and freshman games. And uh, same philosophy, though. He's like, what better part-time job 
for him. And he did really well last year as well. So uh, it's right in line with what you said, Jim or Marlon. How about you guys? Yeah, I guess I, I think the same. Um, I was fortunate to, enough to uh, have a buddy of mine that was already involved in refereeing for a year or two, Craig DeHaan, who needed a partner. So I kind of had a little bit of a jump start because he had a schedule and he needed uh, a guy that uh, um, to be his partner and, and uh, he trusted me enough to, to help me along. And, and I think that's important. Um, I think that's kind of one of my suggestions for the state to uh, have a, these young guys pair them up with a, a guy that has a bunch of experience like, like Marlon um, and, and kind of mentor them and give them some games to work together. So they kind of get a feel of what it's like to work with a, an experienced guy. And it takes a lot of pressure off the young guys. If they're on the court with a, with a, uh, a guy that has a lot of experience. And when I started in college, I, I got paired up with Justin Engel and with, Pete Hansen, I bet you 90% of my games were with either of those two guys. And they had the reputation, they had the years of experience, and all I had to do was worry about making the obvious calls that were in my area, and that's all I had to worry about. So th those guys took a lot of pressure off of my plate uh, starting out. You bet. How about you, Marlon? I think Ross hit a little bit on the head with um... – challenge for our kids or the new ones is the respect of the game. They see the disrespect, so that becomes a challenge for them. I, I think if they would really look at, as these guys have said, the, the money aspect it is, it's a, it's a pretty good way to make some, some dollars um, in your off time if you're willing to do that. I think it's important that you know, these kids want to stay involved in, in the game, even though they've graduated or they want to give back in some way. But I think Jim hit the nail on the head with how do we get started? How do, how do these kids continue to go? Um, we're not like um, uh, Sioux City. A lot of our area schools have their own ADs and they assign their own games. So it's hard for these new officials to get into those systems once in a while unless they have a veteran doing that. So um, I think having the opportunity to work with another group that's already established is, is a benefit for them. And as Jim said, that takes a lot of pressure off a, a new kid because when you have two or three new ones trying to get a schedule together and they're all new, um, there's going to be some hiccups in the road and they're going to be challenged. And once in a while, it's um, flight instead of um, staying with it. If you get too many um, disagreements. Right. No, that's good. Um, I assume they contact the state office, correct? To get more information, on how to get registered to be an official. Yes. They would have to con uh, contact the Iowa high school athletic association or the Iowa girls high school athletic yeah. union. You bet. Good. Now, to tie in with that a bit, um, obviously in any sport, you have proper fundamentals of that particular sport that's going to give you success. Now, for a new new official, and and here, and I'll be honest with you, when I go to a basketball game, I'm, I almost like watching the officials more than the game, just because you get some really good ones that are always in the right spot. They know what they're looking for. 
and so forth. So to to help out a kid that's that's starting to look into getting into fishing, what are officiating? What would be some main things that you would focus on in regards to those fundamentals? Well, I guess I, I I watch the same. I watch referees a lot more than I do the game too, unfortunately. But uh, what I look for is guys that are hustling. I mean, I see, I think moving to a three-man crew may make our referees lazier. And uh, I don't think the kids or the younger guys work as hard as they used to with two-man crew. And you had to with two-man crew. But uh, um, I just feel like, okay, the other guys, the other two guys think, well, that guy's going to call that. That's more in his area. Then nobody calls it. And then you got a problem. Um, so I just, I mean, I know mechanics is, is important, but I just feel like uh, having a feel for the game and hustling to get in position to make the right call or to see the right call is probably the most important to me anyway. You bet. Randy or Marlon? I'll jump in and I'll say, you know, I think um, a lot of times people want to get um, licensed and become a, uh, an official, but you got to understand that you need to know the rules. And I think a lot of times they think reading the book one time is sufficient. And then we put that away and we start officiating and we were able to, I mean, if you don't know the rules, that's not defendable. And if you can't enforce the rules as written, that's pretty hard to justify being out there on the floor. Um, the second thing I think that a fundamental that they need to know is that just because there's there's going to be people disagreeing with you on every call one way or the other, so you have to let those those little gnats or mosquitoes bounce off you once in a while instead of taking them all personally and trying to you know I I think of it as a lawyer you got to know your rules a hippopotamus you got to have those gnats or those mosquitoes got to bounce off your skin. And then you better have fun out there because if you're not having fun, I, I, I find it hard to want to do it if you're not going to enjoy it. So, All right. Thanks, Marlon. Randy, anything? Yeah, I would say, you know, as advice, just make sure you start at the right level. I mean, I'm sure people want to come in and be rough in varsity games right away. But, you know, there's nothing wrong, especially those college kids just starting at some of those tournaments on a weekend and run up and down that court and just get used to the feel for the game. and work on some of those mechanics that just simply takes time and, and be right. patient and, and work up those work up the ladder as, as you feel you're ready to work up that ladder. Right. And there's so many opportunities as well. Every oh, weekend there's a yep. tournament somewhere. Yeah, and absolutely. It's, yep. I'm not trying to speak for Jim or Randy or anybody else, but I think my first three or four or five years that I officiated at the lower level or whatever, I probably had more technical fouls that I called in those games <laughs> because I wanted to be right so bad. Mm. And I didn't want to listen to somebody else telling me that I was wrong because I thought I knew everything, but I think being a good listener and recognizing the coaches and what they're doing once in a while becomes an important aspect. And you learn that over time as well. Mm. So you bet. That's, that's great, guys. Uh, next area kind of involves within the game, as the game's going on, as with the flow of the game and so forth. And uh, 
and to help a younger official out once again, what are some things that you're looking for throughout the game? Obviously, basic rules and so forth, but if there's certain patterns that start to come up, do you let this go? Do you let that go? All those types of things that go into it that maybe coaches don't fully understand, players don't fully understand, parents probably for sure don't understand, or fans, but how can you speak to that part of it, especially within the game and the flow of the game? Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll go. Um, I was always taught with the guys that I worked with that we always wanted to kind of make sure that the, we kept the best players on the court. And that doesn't mean giving them, you know, ben, uh, beneficial treatments or not calling a foul when they foul, but uh, part of it is, you know, when you have good players on the court, the game is going to be played better and the referees don't need to get involved. So that was one thing that always kind of stuck with me is, you know, you want to make sure that the best players are still out there at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, the game itself is going to go better and, uh, thus, you won't even remember the referees, and that's that's the biggest compliment that you can have. Right. right. Thanks, Jim. Marlon or Andy? I think um, a couple other things is, as Jim mentioned, I think I think there's a great value in being a good listener to the coaches. Coaches, once in a while, they're not asking questions; they're just venting. They're just out there talking away. And once in a while, it's better to be closer to them because then they're talking to you instead of yelling at you. And all they want to do is vent. All right. Mm -hmm. They really do. Once in a while, you address a coach by, hey, coach, what did you see? And brought away that that brings them down a level or a notch. And they're telling you what they thought they saw. And, you know, I can agree to disagree on that coach or we're going to, you know, we both had different angles, whatever you want to say. But. I think being honest when you make a mistake, admit it. You obviously can't do that 10 times in a game, but you can be honest with coaches. And you got to know your coaches and your players. Um, I think giving them proper recognition and talking to them appropriately, that becomes huge. There, There's some coaches that I know I can talk to them very, very easily, and I don't have to worry about. There's other coaches I'm going to have to dance a fine line with to make sure that me and him or her stay on the same page. So, Right. Thanks, Marlon. Randy, anything on that? Yeah, I would say, you know, just even as a, as a, as a, as a ref or, you know, if you're a coach or a fan, I'm always looking for consistency in the officials. Like that said, I don't, I don't expect an official to make every call the right call. But if you're consistent throughout the game, you'll alleviate a lot of pain. And most of the time when I see coaches yelling, like if I'm at if I'm at an NAI game, something like that, and the coach is really railing on the official, it's usually because the official called something on one end and the same thing happened on the other end, and for whatever reason they didn't call it. And that's what I think ensues the sort of the the fight within the coaches. So if you can keep it consistent, which I think is the most difficult thing to do, obviously, but I don't know. That's that'll help with right. the flow of the game. That's for sure. Right. Good. I Thanks, guys. I think okay, that's coaches and players. Um, I think parents are a different, a, a different realm in the sense of trying to figure things out. I really do. I um, mm -hmm. they they got too much invested in their own child or student athletes. So um, I think 
they get a little visional, get tunnel minded in the sense of what's going on once in a while and don't see the whole picture. So that becomes a challenge. I don't, you know, your question, understand what we're looking for from parent standpoint. I don't know if that can be, I think we have to have a really good relationship with the coach and the coach is going to, he's going to dictate what is, how his players play as well as how a lot of the fans react to things as well. If you can communicate with them. So the parents, I think that's a different ball game yet. Right. No, that's a good point. Good. Uh, mix things up here a little bit. Looking at, looking back at like the biggest game or games you have ever officiated, and we have we have different levels here. But I almost think Randy probably was in some because it's so hard to call some of those middle school games sometimes <laughs> because it's chaotic and there's no flow to the game, and uh, those games are huge in those kids' eyes, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't care who goes first, but uh, I mean, are there any games that stand out that were like, man, this is this is fun for one, but you also know it was really taken serious too by everybody involved, and whether it's the crowd or the level of play, whatever. I'll go first since I right, the lowest level. I, I have never been in a game that matters. Because I will only ever coach games that don't matter. Like those are the ones I'm going after. I don't need. No, I don't. Now you always listen. You always stay busy too, don't you? And yeah, absolutely. So I enjoy. Like I have fun when I'm out there. I really, honestly do. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want a game uh, that is dictated by something that I've done and I've made a bad call. I don't want the pressure of it. So for right. me, yeah. You, but I'll be honest with you. As you do the lower levels to the, you know, even JV, it's way easier to ref those JV games. Yep. Especially, I'm just gonna, a boys JV game is much easier to ref than a girls JV game. I mean, it's just right. the flow of the game is so different. So, you know, even when you tell young, you know, college kids, hey, go ref those lower levels, well, good luck. I mean, I mean it, it's without a doubt the most difficult thing you're going to do, but at least there's no, <laughs> there's no pressure so yep. to speak on you about making sure every call is right. So no, I'm, 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 I'm proud to admit I've never been in the game <laughs> that has officially mattered. I'm going to draw that one. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Jim or Marlon? Well, I, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, the reason I got into refereeing because is the reason for it. I got the same feeling before I refereed a big game as I did when I played. I mean, Marlon and I played basketball together since we were in fourth grade. And, I mean, I loved it. It was a passion of mine. Well, when that was over, when I was done playing, like, you know, what do I – I got to find something that I get the same feeling or same juices flowing, and refereeing was that for me. I mean, I I go out and do a, a – you know, a state game or a, a sub-state game in high school and then get up to Division Two, where you're doing South Dakota State and USD and, and those. Uh, I mean, I got the same feeling before I went out to referee one of them games as I did when I was a player, and, and that's that's what I loved about it. See any jackrabbits or coyotes thrown on the court? No, I didn't. <laughs> did not. But uh, it, it has it has happened in those games. <laughs> Marlon, how about you? 
Yeah, I, I truthfully, I don't even know if Ross knows it, but I got thrown into it by his dad one night because some official didn't show up, and I refed in my dress shoes, I think, for a game for him at Unity. <laughs> Freshman game, and I didn't know what I was doing. But anyway, after that, when I started refing, it was because, yeah, it was something that gave me the passion to go. I wanted to go because I wasn't playing anymore, but that that excited me to do it. So, um yeah, I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to ref a couple of national championship games um, at the NAI level, Division One in, in um, Billings, Montana, which was awesome. I got to ref a WNIT game um, in my career. I've had a few state championship games as well. So I, I've been blessed by doing it, and it's, yeah, it's something that never gets old. I think um, when I no longer feel that excitement or that joy or passion about it, it's something – that I got to think about stepping away from it. But right now that's definitely true. Super. Thanks for sharing those guys. Um, last one here that we'll talk about, going to kind of combine a few different things here, but uh, kind of deals with some of the misunderstandings that players, coaches, parents, probably parents more than anybody have with, with when you're officiating some things that you might hear complaints about that, are way off target and uh, kind of turn into pet peeves probably as a ref. So um, what can you tell our audience? So either future coaches or parents that are listening, players that um, would really help everybody involved if they would lessen what? I don't know. I just think every time – there's a little bit of contact and somebody might be laying on the ground or tripped over somebody's foot or got bumped inadvertently. It doesn't have to be a foul. I mean, uh, basketball is a con contact sport and there's going to be some contact and you just have to decipher what is giving somebody an unfair advantage. And to a referee, that's a way different you view that way different as a referee than you do as a, obviously as a parent. That's the worst. Grandparents probably even worse. But uh, a coach realizes that for the most part, but uh, a normal fan doesn't have a clue on any of that. I mean, I guess that's what's kind of, uh, you know, frustrating. Right. Absolutely. Marlon or Andy? I'd say that the understanding, um, I know things have defensive position and guarding have changed or evolved over the years, but legal guarding position, all it needs to be is two feet facing your opponent and then maintaining that. Once you obtain that legal guarding position, you may maintain it by going backwards or moving sideways. As long as you don't run into the person or project the person off of their route. And I think a lot of times we give the offensive player a benefit of the doubt by running a defender over and thinking it's a defensive foul when that's offense and you will hear it from the stands all the time. They weren't set. There's nothing that says in our rule book you have to be set. There, There is absolutely nothing that says anything about that. The one rule I think needs to be changed, and it's a tough rule, is uh, last touch, first touch, going across the backcourt after it's been tipped if I'm the offensive side. Um, that's the one that everybody knows other than coaches understand the rule, but the fans don't understand the rule. Um, that's a tough one. And then 
you'll still get, as Jim said, we do have some grandparents that might be the worst, but the three second rule that you can't start counting until you cross the half line. I will hear three seconds more often when I'm standing on full court waiting and I'm just like, what in the world? But anyway, those are my three that I had written down. So I've actually heard people yell the three second call after it hit the rim. They're like, what, what is even going on around here? I mean, you, you try, and my, I have a good mentor right now, of course, where you just don't listen. You don't listen to those people, and if you need to yell back, go right ahead and do it. That's what I've learned. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff, guys. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again to all of you for being on on tonight. Hopefully this helps helps our listeners as we get into basketball season now just to have a little bit better understanding one for the need of officials so if anybody listening is on the fence make sure you make contact with your state association so that you can find out more details on how to be involved uh, it is a money maker especially for a college student so uh, please look into it and um, and also just for a better understanding as we watch games here coming up too because uh, offici- officials are important. And uh, it's good to hear your side of it as well in regards to educating us as we go into the season. But uh, thanks again to our sponsor, uh, Brett Wallinga and the Moving Company. Uh, Contact them for any of your commercial or residential needs. You can call Brett directly at 712-541-9407 or go to www.movingyourthings.com. Thanks a lot again, guys. Appreciate your time. And uh, appreciate you blowing the whistle and putting on the stripes as well throughout the upcoming year. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, Jeff. You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, later this week, we'll have another one, another podcast uh, with Ryan Suisaw and Devin Suisaw. Brothers, uh, one head football coach at West Sioux High School is Ryan, and Devin is out at St. Ansgar High School, head baseball coach, and also coaches a variety of other sports. That will be later this week. Until then, thanks for listening.